Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. He said to me, I don't want to have to carry a coffin. And hearing somebody say that to you is... You're 22 years old. The time that I actually have to do something's now. What three wrestling matches would you watch if you were stranded on a desert island? This is what I'm asking wrestling's best. In the ring, around the ring, behind the scenes, or behind a microphone. I'm Tom Campbell. Thank you for joining me on Cultaholic Island for another episode of Desert Island Graps. Fraser Thomas over here, not just the quickly growing fan base, but with the future so bright, he's going to need shades. Quickly becoming an honorary Geordie. Fraser Thomas, how are you doing? I am really well, thank you, Tom. I think you're probably more excited than you're letting on because (laughs) at time of recording, you've not long got your hands on My Chemical Romance tickets. I know. I've managed to somehow get to, after not getting anything for so long, I managed to get tickets for two of the days i just need the sunday and i've got the holy grail of emo the, the trilogy of emo tickets that everyone requires so you go you're going for three days to see them well i'm trying to get the sunday as well but i've got the thursday so far and i've got the saturday so i'm going on thursday and saturday and then hopefully if i can get the sunday i'm gonna block book all four days off and just get sad and drunk in a field <laughs> how exciting is it to see see them touring again well, I've never seen them the first time around, so I've always been a massive, massive, massive fan, even from like 2003 onwards. I never saw them the first time around, so I am beyond excited to see them this time. The material, I think that's probably why I've just dropped a, a shit ton of money on it straight away, <laughs> just trying to get it, yeah. When did you discover them? Uh, I think it was as I was... Um, looking at Kerrang! magazine and stuff like that. And then my brother, I think it was my brother, my younger brother actually started listening to Kerrang! magazine and the Scuzz channel. And they used to appear on stuff like that. And then I just uh, got heavily involved with that. And then other artists like uh, Fall Out Boy and a lot of people, a lot of the true emos would probably say, well, these are just all the generic kind of uh, emo type bands. But no, ever since then. And then it's like the used and everything. And I had rumblings today that the support could potentially be the used. So in my head, it's 
going to be money well worth spent, even if I'm going to be a bit broke this month. One song that they're going to play that is going to is going to set your world on fire. What's that song going to be? When you say set my world on fire, do you think make me cry or make make you cry, just, blow your mind, oh. just give you that euphoric feeling that oh my god, they're in front of me now and jazz is happening. Like it's pro- it's probably going to be famous last words, I reckon. It's just because it just starts from it just starts with the uh, the entry the lyric straight away, just straight off the bat. And then you don't you don't have anything to, to build up to it. You just go straight in, and it just starts the music. And I could just imagine forty thousand people in their mid twenties, all the way up to their fifties, just um just losing absolute minds, and I can't wait for it. Sending you on a desert island, Fraser Thomas. Yep. Yeah, uh, on a desert island with Chuck Mambo. That's <laughs> good company. Yeah, that's probably the best company. If I'm going to be on a, on a desert island with anyone, it's going to be the most positive man in the world. Because it's, <laughs> if you even when it, you're most bleakest outlook that man is going to put a smile on your face let's face it he is lovely like that isn't he so i met him so initially i first trained uh when i retrained i trained at fight club pro and he started doing his training at the projo but before then chuck mambo did a little bit of wrestling before when he was living out of a broken down camper van in gloucestershire and me and him met for the very first time back in 2007 so i've known him for 13 years now what was yeah. the um, what was the first conversation you remember having with him? I I don't remember the first conversation, but I just remember he's always been the same. So always with the bright colours, that's just him down to a T into a nutshell. There's no character there. Chuck Mambo is just Chuck Mambo. That's it. It's just he's always dressed the exact same. He's always been the same person. His personality has not changed at all in the last thirteen years. He's just always been the most positive and lovely person. Always. Well, as you say, good company for Desert Island, then. Of course, yeah. Uh, as well as Chuck Mambo, we're going to give you a DVD featuring three of your favourite wrestling matches to watch uh, over and yep. over and over again whilst you're there. And we're going to uh, spend mm-hmm. the next little bit of time, me and you, me and you, Fraser, going through some of those matches. So, uh, what's okay. the first match going to be on your DVD, Fraser? Okay, so I've not put them in any particular order, but I've basically, um, I've just decided to pick my favourite three matches that I can think of, and it's always been something that is an emotional connection. So for me, it's not necessarily about moves and reversals and crazy moves from here and there and everywhere. It's always been how it's made me feel in the moment. So the first one that I wanted to nominate was CM Punk versus John Cena from Money in the Bank 2011. When you talk about hypocrites, Punk, you're the biggest hypocrite of them all. You are CM Punk. The hottest property in this industry today. You beat your own drum, but in the path of doing things you want to do, you've lost sight of everything. I've lost sight. You are the one that's lost sight. That's lost sight. I am the underdog, and what you are is what you hate. You're the 10-time WWE champion. You're the man. Ladies and gentlemen, the champ is here. The champ you, is here. like the Red Sox, are no longer the underdog. You're a dynasty. You are what you hate. You have become the New York Yankees. So this was a, a very pivotal match in in the the timeline of WWE, wasn't it? 
Yeah, so this, I think, I believe they kind of de- deem this the re- the start of the reality era. So where storylines were kind of blurred a little bit in terms of real life. Obviously, at this time, CM Punk's contract was noted to be running to an end, and the whole storyline was in place that the CM Punk was going to leave the WWE with the WWE Championship and potentially take it to Ring of Honor or take it to New Japan Pro Wrestling. And at that time, whilst I was still involved in wrestling, it was like nobody actually really knew if that was the case. Had he agreed to re-sign or how was he going to go to these things? And for me, the, the idea of the WWE Champion just turning up in Ring of Honor or just turning up in New Japan Pro Wrestling and me thinking about how many different types of matches that there could be, brand new matches. Like imagine CM Punk versus Shinsuke Nakamura or something along those lines for you got Shinsuke being the IWGP heavyweight champion and you got him going against CM Punk the WWE world heavyweight champion it's just the possibilities were exciting and you just didn't know which way it was going to go but the journey to get to that eventuality was a match with John Cena and it was uh it mm-hmm. was a phenomenal match was it not it was incredible and it's one of those things that kind of um I always go back to in terms of crowds uh, as well because it, it took place in Chicago itself and obviously it was like a homecoming for CM Punk you know he's going to try and win the WWE title and be home in his house within 45 minutes once his contract's um, been home and you've got 15,000 people from Illinois making sure that they're fully behind and that CM Punk defeats John Cena at a time where John Cena wasn't particularly uh, particularly liked by the smart wrestling audience um, and it just made for just it was compulsive viewing. All the build up to that, even down to the promo where he sits down on at the top of the stage, and even now it's people just um, doing things like that, just kind of emulate it almost in uh, modern wrestling. Where were you when you watched that match? I think I was by genuinely. So I used to get up in the morning. Um, well, I wouldn't even go to bed. I, I I would be awake. I'd stay awake, and I would go downstairs, and I would be watching it because obviously it'd be at one o'clock at our time. And what I would do is I would, um, so I didn't wake anyone up in the house, my TV still had a, um, a headphone socket in. So what I would do is I turned all the furniture around in the front room. I pushed the sofa about two inches away from the screen itself and I'd sit there with the headphones in making sure that I wouldn't, I couldn't hear, nobody could hear me waking anybody else up or in the house and I was just I'd be watching the match from literally just me, headphones on in pitch black, essentially just watching it. I just could not get enough at that time either. That's some incredible feng shui for the sake of wrestling. And, and that's the thing, like I had to make sure that I put the sofas back in the exact same position the next morning to make sure that nobody realised that I'd actually spent all night, well, until 5am um, watching wrestling. How old would you have been, Fraser? So at that time I would have been 20. So I was still, I was in wrestling, as it were, my under my original uh, guise. So my original guise as a wrestler wasn't Fraser Thomas. I used to be called the monstrosity known as Richter. And I was just... Um, I was essentially just a bit of an earthquake rip-off, really, because I was a, a larger guy. And um, I was, yeah, I was just still involved in, in, in that wrestling side of things, but I was still watching things at one o'clock in the morning and then getting up for work at that point and going into work and just having bleary-eyed all day. But, um, yeah, it was just, I, remember, I think it's the last time where I had that, other than one of my other options here where I was, where I was in person, it's the last time where I just was, felt that real proper emotional connection as a consumer 
um, even though I was still involved in the in the industry, like I could see somewhat behind the curtain, as it were, and understand some of the workings, but not understand all of the workings enough for me to immerse myself into what was being presented before me. I want to talk about uh, your life and times as Richter? Um, when mm-hmm. let's go all the way back and like what? Mm-hmm. Obviously, as a wrestling fan, you were into the, the the sport, but what was it that made you go? This is a thing yeah. I actually want to do. Um, oh, I'm trying to remember. Again, it it pays. So it's my other two matches really that I've got for it. For, so I don't want to touch one too heavily on it. But um, okay. I think it was just because uh, I was a massive, massive wrestling fan. Like I said, I would stay awake all night. I'd sneak downstairs, try not to wake anybody up, turn the furniture around, and make sure it was all back the next morning. And I'd buy, I'd use my lunch money, and I'd buy WWE magazine, and I would just consume as much as possible. I used to do all the e-fedding and everything online and just to have a pro do promos and type them all out and it's play ewr anything wrestling related i would try and get my hands on and try and do and in my head i thought well if i ever decided i want to do become a wrestler um e-fedding was maybe like not there was some way forward in terms of developing a character as it were or finding something i wanted to, to do like a character that i put forward when I did decide to start training and I was about 16 years old when I first saw it advertised, um, a really small kind of, um, training school as it were in Gloucestershire. Uh, um, and they're still around now actually called pro evolution wrestling. And, um, they're much smaller than what they are now. And, uh, yeah, I just went along to my first session and, uh, the first session I went to, um, Dave Mastiff was there and he was running them. He did some sort of match at the end and then I paid my money and I've never really looked back since, other than a couple of years away. Um, but yeah, it was just probably one of the best things I've ever done. I can't imagine that any form of life or any sort of direction where wrestling hasn't been a part of it or will ever be a part of it. It's the fact that you were you were so heavily invested in it, not just before you, before you even started training, as you were doing the e-fedding thing. So, so to am I right in thinking? Because I did, I think I did a bit of the same thing you did. This is where uh, there's yeah. a, there's a website which is a wrestling federation, and your your email promos. Yep. To yes. This. Is this the one? Right. Come on. I want your toaster, Cole Fraser. Tell me about your oh. e-fed character. Come on. We're in the zone now. So my, oh, okay. So my e-fed character. So the only storyline that I'd know, I do remember, is is a guy called Demon Matt Michaels. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because I combined my favourite wrestlers at the time was Matt Hardy and Shawn Michaels. Nice. And I combined them obviously in Demon because I needed to sound that sounded cool at the start. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, obviously Demon was the way forward. And my my character was. Um, kind of like uh, the original Edge after he just came back from the brood. So kind of like the outsider type thing, all moody in an alley and sat in a leather trench coat and everything along those lines. Anything that kind of tied hands in hands a little bit with, uh, with the whole emo phase that I was going through that I never seemed to grow out of, really. <laughs> was, there an, was there a memorable E-Fed feud that Demon Matt Michaels took, pay, took part in? Yeah, so as uh, Demon Matt Michaels took part in a memorable feud against Triple H himself because one person um, didn't have the um, the the imagination I potentially did and uh, just came out and did the promo uh, as if they were Triple H and it was the same promo every week. Yeah, but when I think back to it now, the amount of time that I invested in writing promos each and every week, I probably should have done it in other things like maybe 
having a base for actually resting before like maybe gymnastics or the gym work and or some even schoolwork potentially but i used to sit there and put hours into it trying to make it as cool and edgy as i possibly could but obviously it wasn't quite as cool as i looking back now oh no but no but we it's it's easy to look back now on, on most things we did as kids and in other decades and go oh that was a bit awkward but you remember that feeling because i like i was one of those mm. imagine i i think i came with two efed characters i was gangrel in one yeah and i was um first class male the bulletproof postman and um i love it <laughs> thank you very much what's the finisher called what uh, was your finisher oh, called airmail leg drop off the top rope airmail of course it was and of course that's the best one special deli- did it shout like special delivery before he jumped as well he, well he did now i've decided the other oh. one was he did he did a um <laughs> he did what 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 cm punk now does as curb you know, it was a curb stop obviously cm punk the one they did before that yeah. where you pull the arms back and bang their head Oh, yeah, Like yeah, a yeah. pavement stamp. But it was called Stamp Duty. That was the other one. <laughs> <laughs> Get me an effect. But like, of course it was. But in the eye of the storm, yeah. when you're there and you're doing it, it is it is the yeah. most fun, isn't it? It is. Even like, because I wasn't, I didn't have loads of friends when I when I was growing up. Um, I was kind of a bit of an outsider, a little bit from in school it was. Uh, but and I lived a, quite a little bit away from my friends. Um, so it, I spent a lot of my time really just doing doing things like that and developing and not really subconsciously kind of planting little foundations for what I potentially wanted to look towards not necessarily the first time I wrestled but this time as what I do as Fraser Thomas so the second match I'm picking uh, Eddie Guerrero versus Brock Lesnar from No Way Out 2004 Eddie it's really sad you've overcome all those demons only to be destroyed by the biggest demon of them all. I'm Brock Lesnar. You're not fighting the odds, Eddie. You're me. I've beaten legends, great ones, phenoms. You are no one. No one. You seem to be a bit preoccupied, Brock. You lost your focus. You're not going to be facing Eddie Guerrero. One opponent tonight? Yeah, that's me. Latino heat. Latino I've been here before. Been here before, is it? the man senseless. Back to a corner. One, two, Another three. huge obstacle. Then leave as I enter. Time to make a choice. Oh, WWE champion. They say there's no, no way, way out. out. I can think of at least one. I can think of at least one. Can you? Can you? Is it? The unstoppable Brock Lesnar, who would later go on to become yep. even more unstoppable Brock Lesnar. Uh, facing mm-hmm. Eddie Guerrero and and, tri- and Eddie Guerrero triumphing in ma- in magnificent style. Yeah. So this was for me. This was the first match I ever watched. I was 13 years old, where I had an emotional reaction to it, other than like just being happy somebody won or being sad. Where I was so happy that Eddie Guerrero won, I actually cried. Wow. That's how invested that I was in that. And I thought I was a little bit smarter as I was when I had having read all the insider terms on Wikipedia and knowing what a booker was and plain EWR along those lines. But I was so emotionally invested in that storyline of Eddie Guerrero not having won a world title before defeating Brock Lesnar now that it was just one of my favorite matches. And even now I can go back and watch that match and still feel that same feeling. Um, of just pure relations because Eddie Guerrero for me is my favorite wrestler of all time. With that match, as you say, it, it brought you. Was where was it you were watching that match? Was it in a similar situation with the social? Similar situation, ground? yeah. 
Uh, yeah, similar situation. I'm sure that my mum probably cl- cottoned on at that time that that is what I was doing. But um, I'd sn- sneaking down, similar situation, feng shui in the front room and putting it straight back after the event had finished and then sneaking off to bed and going to school on three hours worth of sleep or more times off than not avoiding going to school and just skiving off the next day because I was too tired. <laughs> was af- After that, because that was a real pivotal moment in wrestling, and I know quite a few people talked about it, uh, you say you mm. didn't have many many friends. Did you have any friends that were wrestling fans at that point? So, so I didn't have any wrestling friends other than people that I was doing e-fedding with, so I kind of met people through that respect online, as it were. Um I had one friend that kind of helped. Well, he I'd say helped, but he wasn't a massive wrestling fan, but we were just friends in general. So he had a trampoline. So as soon as he got that trampoline, that was when I was busting out rock bottoms and trying to practice doing like backflips or whatever like that. Even now today, I still can't properly do a backflip. So don't ever expect me to bust out a moonsault if possible, because I'm probably one of the most unathletic people going. I just have to mask it particularly well. But, um, I just yeah that's when I kind of just developed that kind of like fearlessness for it and I remember being out there in the dead of winter finishing school going over to his house and it would be minus however much seven six degrees outside the 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 trampoline would be frozen and we'd still be out there jumping on it in our socks and we'd go back in and I still vividly remember one time that both our feet were so numb we had to put our feet on the radiator itself and we kept them there for 30 minutes just trying to get the feeling back in our feet see that's the commitment of being a pro wrestler yeah just (laughs) silly just just jumping up and down just ignoring potential frostbite yeah if people were to, because there's a lot of people who listen to this and they're going to be uh, meeting you for the very first time through this. And if mm-hmm. they were to find uh, video and images of Richter, they'll see a very different person, won't they? Yeah. Um, so as I was growing up, I was uh, I lacked self-control when it came to eating. That's probably the best way for it. And I sort of solaced in kind of food a little bit. I was a little bit of a latchkey kid, as it were. So I was kind of left to my own devices a lot of the time. Uh, my mum used to work ridiculous hours. She'd work like 70, 80 hours a week or something like that as a nurse. And um, I, would, as, I was quite responsible for a 13-year-old other than skiving off or 14-year-old. <laughs> other than skiving off, I, I was capable of like cooking meals and cleaning and doing everything along those lines um but it, the things i was cooking and having access to all the food in the house and not really having any self-control and as i got bigger and bigger um and my peak weight that i got to was around the age of 22 and at my biggest i was 30 stone which was about 420 pounds about 200 kilos um so i got to that size and i i i was wrestling at that point as well and I made the decision to kind of slim down at that point. And then I got down to about, uh, after about a year or so, I got down to about 363 pounds just for my own volition. And um, I decided to stop wrestling at that point for a couple of years just to, uh, just due to personal circumstances at that point. It's just to, I just wasn't enjoying my wrestling as it were. Um, I wasn't happy with um, the type of wrestling I was doing because it's all pretty similar wrestling. And it just, it was all stagnant and a bit stale. Um, and I couldn't really see any progression, as it were, and I knew that I had to kind of step away before I started to hate wrestling, and I didn't want to do that because, to me, wrestling is potentially one of my favourite things in the world. Nothing makes me happier than just being in and around it. You talk about there was um, a point where you were at your biggest and you and something changed. What was the moment? Because anybody that's gone mm. through a, a weight loss battle will know there is that there yeah. is that moment where they go, right, 
all jokes aside, enough is enough now. What what was that moment for you? Yeah, I always kind of lied to myself essentially, well, I'm I'm 14, I'm 15, I'm 16, I'm 17, I'm 18, I'll I'll lose the weight eventually, I'll lose the weight eventually, but it was it got to the stage where I was at my biggest and my and my friend he he was quite blunt. I I developed like a friend through um wrestling training and we used to hang out outside of school. Outside school, sorry, outside the wrestling school and um he we used to we used to go to all these different places like i drive and we'd go watch wrestling shows or whatever and um he went to the gym he was um a guy that was like not necessarily a power lifter but you know he was talking about like he had like shoulders arms chest everything along those lines and he he, he looked me down and he he uh he just sat me there and he's we used to laugh and joke about my weight all the time and something like that but he looked at me dead in the eye and he says it's getting to the point where you're getting a little bit too big now like I know it's it's going to be difficult and um he said to me I don't want to have to carry a coffin and hearing somebody say that to you is you're 22 years old and you realize no actually the time that I actually have to do something's now because at the moment I'm just going to have to I'm just going to keep ballooning and keep ballooning and get bigger and bigger and bigger to the point where eventually I wouldn't be able to wrestle because I wouldn't be able to the health complications that come with that because even only taking one bump that I did a match, like that's still a 30 stone man taking a bump and messing up his back and his knees and just in everyday life. And he said to me, look, it's going to be, I'm not going to lie to you. It's, it's not going to be easy. There are going to be times where you're going to hate me. You're going to, I can go with you to the gym and I know you're self-conscious, but we will go at the gym anytime you want. And he changed his whole schedule to me to make sure that I didn't feel subconscious and I was taught how to train properly and he'd come to the gym with me at midnight because there was a 24-hour gym that just opened up where I grew up in Gloucester and um, we'd go at midnight I'd pick him up and we'd come home at two o'clock in the morning we'd stay there for two hours um, because there was nobody there because I was so so self-conscious of being that 30 stone man on a treadmill that's walking at a brisk pace and sweating profusely and looking out of breath because I was so concerned of people just looking at me and making the comments and I didn't want to be the butt of people's jokes in there. Um, that first day, what was that like? Mm -hmm. First day on the road, back on the road, back down, as it were. It was horrible. Mm -hmm. It was it was it was absolutely horrible. It was it was like an I did wrestling training and I did drills and everything along those lines and um, but. It, I just remember being on an incline on a um, on a treadmill, just at a reasonable pace, nothing too strenuous, and struggling. And it was the first realization that no, I'm actually ser seriously unfit. Like it was, it would be a matter of time where it'd just be a bit of a struggle for me to even just walk anywhere. I just, I'd just be using my car all the time, and it was it was a struggle. And he 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 didn't lie to me. Like I said, he's one of my bluntest friends who would just tell me exactly how it was. He just says. I'm going to do my workout here. You're going to do it there. Just keep going. Just keep going. And we did. And we managed to drop a load of my size off, fortunately. And now I'm able to do more things than I could do the first time around in the ring. And even the quality of life that I have now is so much better than it was previously. It's a, it's an amazing story. And I think there'll be a lot of people that will probably hear you talking about this and being in similar battles um is there, mm. is there anything that from from your position you'd like to say to them i think it's it's all about being realistic with yourself 
I think if you get to a certain stage where you are the size at my side, you're never ever going to look like Lex Luger, like or something along those lines. You're never going to get to that stage without surgical intervention in terms of it's like skin cutting away. Like my, I myself, I've, I've lost a lot of the weight, but I've still got excess skin, so I've still got the look of somebody that is a bit bigger. But I'm able to be a bit more comfortable in my own shoes with like being acceptable of like the things I can take away like my arms and my chest and my shoulders and the key thing is you have to know that it is something that you want to do because if you don't want to do something you won't do it it's if you put your mind to something you say no I'm actually going to do this regardless of what other people think you just have to start and the first step is always the hardest it's such a cliche but it really is but once you take that first step you realize okay that first step was tough as it was I still did it so let's make another step and it's just putting one foot in front of the other until eventually, you know, you get quicker and quicker and quicker. And you, you just, you start to feel happier in amongst yourself because you see the results, like within your clothes getting too big for you. And you're like, oh, no, I can actually go into a store and buy a sh- jeans without actually having to go to an online retailer that specializes in like getting 54 inch waist jeans. And then once you have those reminders, like I still now have my 54 inch jeans but I still keep as a reminder to know that this is where I've come from. When I feel a little bit shitty having overindulged in a in a meal and not to beat myself up about it and just say, no, this is what you've done. This is where you've come from. You should be proud of this. And that is a complete physical reminder that you have for yourself. And it's all about setting mini goals as well in between. And yeah, it's just the most important thing is you have to want to do it. And if you're not sitting here and you're thinking, no, I actually do, I want to do it, you're never going to do it. You just have to, you have to be, make sure you're ready. When you, um, you, you took time away and then when you came back and you were, you were mm-hmm. slimmer and you were more focused, what, what changed for you? The, the capability of stuff that I'm able to do in the ring now that um, I took, like, maybe some people take for granted, mate. I like that there's certain things I could do, like, without going to too much detail in terms of even just springing up onto the second rope like I couldn't do that I can do that now it's not a particularly impressive athletic thing but it's something that I can do now and then it allows you to open up your mind creatively in terms of moves that you're able to do on people and how to make a match more interesting like how to hit finishers from different positions or climbing up to the top rope at greater speed at the moment i'm still trying to practice springboarding because one day i hope springboarding is something that i'd be able to do like i couldn't vault into the ring where you just you you jump over the top rope from the arts from the apron i couldn't do that but now i can and the first day i did that it wasn't the it wasn't straight away it was practice and it was repetition and even sometimes now i still don't nail it first time but it's all about stepping out and knowing that you just have to keep going and keep practicing and it was just great it was i still remember that session going up to i was living down in london at the time and i drove up to wolverhampton to fight club pro and travis banks was taking the training and i was doing things that i couldn't do before it's just jumping from the inside to the outside and i was like to everyone it's completely normal but to me on the inside i was just beaming and i still remember that drive home i drove the two hours back down to london and i was like no wrestling I'm, I'm back into it this is what i want to do again this is what i want to do you very much made a home at fight club pro because uh, everywhere you go when people come and see you um 
as you know, when you come see us at North in particular, obviously your build is mm. uh, from Wolverhampton, which is why I think the first yeah. conversation I had was, oh, I don't hear the accent. You went, no, I'm not from there. I was like, all right, fair enough. Yeah. And you mentioned to me then Fight Club Pro. Uh, do you attribute a lot yeah. of where you're at now to the work you did at Fight Club Pro? Yeah, undoubtedly. So Fight Club Pro has got a real, like the motto is train, fight, win. It's all about training consistently and constantly and improving and doing things and making sure that you're not stagnating and stuff. And they actively encourage you to go and train at other places as well. It's not like a, a, a wrestling schools of old where they say, no, you stay with us and you can only train with us. No, they say, no, go to Dragon Pro go to other places, go to Knuckle Locks, go to all these places, which I've done previously. I even, last year, I flew myself out to um, the School of Irish Wrestling, the OTT school, a couple of times, and I went to WXW last year to do the training, and it's all about just that they actively encourage, they want their trainees, as it were, to continue to get better because we're a reflection upon them and their school, and they, the more successes that they get coming out of their school, the, the better the reputation that they have for them, and I'm just um, hopefully one day, given the caliber of people that they put on their shows, I hope my hope in 2020 is the year that my opportunity comes to perform in that warehouse in Wolverhampton because it's become that it's become. I'm trying to think of the word it would be, but it's become my not my Everest as it were, but you know that the venue that if you're in a rock band, you always I want to do Wembley Arena. To me, that's me doing that. That's me like, okay, I came to this school to do this, and now I'm getting the opportunity to do stuff. And having to do that is going to be... I, I'll come to the ring with my interest music, but I know damn well in my head, I'm going to be smiling like an idiot. I just, I can just remember it now. And I'll walk out there, and I've walked out to the Fight Club Pro Music to do the ring announcing, and I've walked out there now to do the commentary, and I've walked out to do the camera work there, and I've done everything you can do i've even played the music there at fight club Pro. the only thing i have not yet to do is wrestle and the day that i do that i'm going to be the happiest man on the planet see this is a, a great lesson for people who are listening to this about getting into the industry as well because you're somebody who has as you say done with with, with fight club pro and i know with progress as well where you've you you've done your mm. commentary for them you you just do anything don't you I do I, absolutely anything I'm able to do to get, not necessarily as it were, a foot in the door, but to educate myself because without a doubt, every aspect that I have, I've done in wrestling has helped me as a wrestler. So as I started out at Fight Club, I was doing the music. So when the music wasn't done by the, the new guys that they're having now, they're having problems with their music. And I made sure that I was there the, like an hour and a half before the show and I was getting all the music queued up ready because I know if they had any surprises or something along those lines and they had previous issues with the music. Okay, right, I'm coming into this place as a new person. I want to make sure that the music's done right. And that's what I did and I gave myself that challenge to do. The very first Death House, it was my very first show there it was Project Mayhem and it was 2017 I think and they had I think they had Ricky Shane Page and Drew Parker in the ring in Starworks and then and Jimmy Howick's music played and everyone turns to the ramp and they're waiting but what they actually did is they the warehouse is huge it's massive and they had a different curtained off area and they put me in charge of doing the big reveal and I was like, I was, I'm not going to lie to you, I was shitting a brick because <laughs> this is my first big opportunity to do something. And even now, it's one of people's favorite moments is that curtain drop in. Because I remember 
walking up and down, everyone holding that rope saying, as soon, look, watch my hand. As soon as my hand goes down and you hear that, that curtain needs to go down so fast and we need to get rid of this curtain so quickly. And it's still one of my favorite things that I've done. Even though it's nothing in wrestling, it's still one of my favorite things I've ever been involved with because I played a small part in that match and it's a lot of people's favorite fight club memories. And the opportunity elsewhere with camera work just positioning like i've worked with um g-man he does a lot of the camera work for a lot of places up and down this country he's like an unsung hero as it were but be having g-man in my ear telling me shots to get or wrestlers or waiting like he's getting frustrated that a wrestler hasn't waiting just that slight little bit longer just to take that moment to react to something because so he can zoom in and make that mean so much more i put that in my wrestling or the ring announcing ensuring that everyone's builds hyped up to the point where this crowd wants to see this person they may not have seen them before but if you list their accomplishments and where they've come from this crowd will be like okay so this person that we know and love is against someone that we don't know but this person that we know and love is in for a battle is in for a fight here tonight and learning all that different elements and different areas like with production running for progress it just i feel it makes improves me as a performer all around and i'm incredibly thankful to be given all those opportunities One of the first places to showcase Fraser Thomas and Rufio as a tag team here in North Wrestling. That's where these two discovered this incredible chemistry they've got together. Rufio and the Lost Boys, uh, this is a, a, a new tag team endeavour with your boy Rufio. Yeah. How did all that come about? So this, is, uh, it kind of came about a little bit naturally as it were. So I essentially north were looking for a wrestler and rufio had just moved to the country and he was living uh with us um at the time and just across the road as it were and funnily enough happenstance was he was living at wxw um training there for a month and he'd left the day before i arrived so he was going to wolverhampton the day that i was going to wxw and he was actually going to stay with us um so i just said to him he hadn't had a place to live and he was like um I'd never met this person. I went, you know what? Just I'm not there for a week anyway. You're friends with Davis, Mark Davis. Um, just stay in my room and do that that way. And we then met each other when we came back properly for the first time. And he was looking to go to some shows. And I recommended him to Andrew Bowers. And uh, he said, uh, yeah, sure, bring him up. I've got his stuff. He's Australian, you know, Osraz gifts frequents there as well. And uh, we'll have him come up and maybe we can do Question of North before and introduce him as it were towards the crowd and since that point onwards there was a nice kind of chemistry between the two of us and we had the opportunity to kind of like travel a lot and go to shows and we're like well what about if we continue to team together as it were as the lost boys and we came up with the idea and we re we tagged for the first time in a six man with uh little miss roxy and it just kind of kept going and kept going and then we're like speaking to speaking to each other on the way back is like i think we might actually be onto something here because you having the rufio aspect the lost boys i was kind of not a vampire but there was definitely people commenting on it saying you, you look like a vampire and i thought well the vampire lost boys and we can kind of play on that a little bit as it were and then uh fortunately we've managed to team a bit more now with a uh, with north in in that tag tournament and we're also doing it down at attack pro wrestling as well and we're just for 2020 our main goals is just to break out a little bit more everywhere in other places to tap into other markets and you know get more eyes on ourselves because fundamentally if we get more eyes on ourselves as well 
we get more eyes on people we're looking at north because there might be some places down where we wrestle in the south that might not have seen a north show they might think okay well i'm going to get north on demand because i recognize rufio and fraser thomas from the lost boys and that's how you just kind of generate more interest in you and, and the and the companies that you really care for and you really love so that's what our main kind of uh 2020 goals are tell me something you've learned about rufio so we didn't realize this at all and we only realized this retrospectively is in the wxw academy the old one there was two rooms and there were two bunk beds in each one and um he'd left the day like literally earlier that morning and i arrived that afternoon and we discovered that without knowing even though there's many other beds available there is we i put my bag down in the exact same bed that he'd stayed at for the last month and then he was back in my room in my <laughs> he's back in wolverhampton in my bed as well in my room and he was just staying there as well and we just didn't realize that in the slightest and we also realized that um we got through, we both, he was trained by AJ Istria, who appeared at North Wrestling, and AJ Istria stayed with us as well, and he took a liking to me, and it's just one of those kind of things where a lot of people are just kind of pushing for us to go and tag together, and it was just like, it felt, nothing ever felt forced, it was more natural for us to kind of like team with each other, and we may have differing opinions on certain things, I think sometimes we do do have that, but I think that's a, a good thing, because only, the only thing that we really want from each other is, is a to help improve the other person and help improve who we are as wrestlers and who we are as people. And I feel like me and Rufio, we're, we're really good at um, bigging each other up and when, in our moments when we're feeling a little bit low about certain things, if it was wrestling or life, with that the other person's there to help bring them back up again. And that's part of the, part of how why I think we as the Lost Boys work. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Now, as well as um, sending you onto the alley with three uh, wrestling matches, we're also going to give you, and I like to spring this on people, uh, you can also take okay. um, a movie, an album, and a luxury oh, item. Ooh, so, okay. uh, a movie, sir. What do you reckon, Fraser? 
Uh, I just pick my favourite film. My favourite film was Toy Story. Oh, the, yeah. the first one? Uh, the first one. I would go with the first one, Toy Story. I think it's the first thing I ever saw in the cinema. So it always sticks with me. So Toy Story, I'll pick with that um, as my first film. Um, my first album. This is where, well, not the first album, but the one that I want to pick. That's be a really difficult one to pick because I am a massive fan of My Chemical Romance, but my all-time favourite band is Enter Shikari. Um, oh, can it be like a, can I make my own? Can no, I burn my own disc? No, you can't compilation. You can't burn a disc. Uh, it's cheating. Oh, all right. Uh, I will go with uh, Enter Shikari, Take to the Skies. Nice. The very first Enter Shikari album. I'll pick that one because it's got my... One of my favourite songs ever, Sorry You're Not A Winner, and it has my first ever entrance music on there as well, using that as well. So, yeah, I'll pick that one as my first ever, uh, as my uh, my Desert Island album. Very nice. And how about a luxury item? And this can be anything. Yeah, so just something that you can bring from home that's going to make you feel a bit more comfortable, that it's going to give you entertainment value. Um, it could just be something that has sentimental okay. value as well, anything like that. Okay. Um... David Starr is bringing a body pillow, if that helps. Oh, I've got one of them as well. Oh, okay. Well, you can borrow David they're, Starr's they're then. Some... Well, all right. So if David Starr's got a body pillow and he wants to part with one of those, I'll use that. Um, I was going to... Oh, genuinely, that's the first thing that came to mind was my body pillow. Oh, get in. Um, on... I'm now struggling now. What would I pick? Um... I'd probably pick something useful, like on the desert island. So what I'd probably do is, like, if nobody's picked a pen knife, I'll just try and pick a pen knife because I feel like that can come in quite handy. Um, if we're stuck there, and we need to go searching for food, or we have to make shelter or anything like that. I'll be the I'll be the guy with the tools to do it. Do you, so do you think you would that. cope well in that environment then? Absolutely not. <laughs> no. no, I'm. If we're talking about a desert island, that's going to be in between near the equator or something on the signs I know I'm the most pale man going I'm going to have sunstroke within a, within a day I'm going to have the worst burns I'm going to moan that I've got sand in my boxes and I'm, I'm going to be horrible but yeah so I won't cope initially but maybe given how long I'm there for and the positivity that I'll have with Chuck Mambo with me you never know I might after a few few weeks might learn to like it and uh, finally, before we let you go, you've got one more match for your DVD, Fraser. What's it going to be? Okay. Okay, so the match that I decided to pick is a match that um, I watched um, having returned the second time and I was actually cameraman for. And it happens in Attack Pro Wrestling. And it is um, happened at their missile tour. And it is not even between... One of the wrestlers isn't even a wrestler. It's... Uh, Chris Roberts versus Shea Purser. Wow. Okay. I'm a big fan of this. I'm, yep. I'm familiar with the work of both. Shea Purser is, yep. uh, is a phenom in wrestling who not enough people know yep. about. Shea Purser is exactly somebody similar to me who's done everything in wrestling. So he has done the camera work and he's done everything along those lines to get his foot in the door. Um, he's initially well more known as a referee and at this time in Attack Pro Wrestling, he was their evil referee um essentially he was the storyline as it goes is he was um influenced by pete dunn in attack and he was going bad and he was going rogue and he attacked chris roberts and chris roberts didn't take too kindly for this and he announced that he was returning he was uh, retiring as a referee at attack pro wrestling and then 
Shay had a little bit of a rampage and um, Chris Roberts returned and he says, nope, I'm not coming back as a referee, but for one night only, I've got my wrestler's license and it's you versus me, mistletoe, no holds barred. And being as a cameraman for that and being in that room in Bristol in front of 200 people, it's the, the reaction to everyone in that room, to that match, whilst not technically the most incredible match ever but it's one of my favorite matches to watch and even now when i watch it back it makes me so unbelievably happy and a little known fact as well um it's andy Corden's favorite match from that year as well because he was in the room and he watched that wow what what, what was yep. it for andy Quilden that made him go that's the daddy that's the one for me it's 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 storyline it was pure storyline itself and everyone was so uh, the things that, that playing with all my matches that I've chosen is emotional connection. And I feel like that is um, a key thing on that for when I like wrestling, it's storytelling as it were. Like, like I said in previously, I'm not the most athletically gifted of wrestlers. I'm not going to go out there and do the rope bouncing like Ray Phoenix can do because I'm not capable of it. But I feel like if I can continue to try and learn as a wrestler and the storyline aspect of it and the storytelling aspect of it, I feel like that is my, that is the area that I can move in towards and try and become a lot one of the better storytellers. It were, yeah. Storytelling is 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 a lot of people would say. I mean, I've had I've had conversations with people on here where they've said actually the storytelling and the character can a lot of times be more important than the wrestling itself, and this is an example yeah. of that. Yeah, I mean, one of the one of the ones that I very closely made it to was uh, the Rock versus Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania 18. Um, because the crowd, the crowd is so emotionally invested in that match. You watch the match back with the sound off. It's not a good match, but you watch it with the sound on. It's incredible. It's an incredible match because the crowd is so emotionally invested in this match. They want to see this happen. They want the rock to fight Hogan. And in that room in Bristol, they wanted to see Chris Roberts kick Shea Purse's ass. And that's what they got. And I just remember being so unbelievably happy at the end of that show because it was just the perfect storyline and the perfect closure to that storyline itself uh we're coming up this, this interview's going out and it's uh, almost march 2020 what exciting things are coming up for fraser thomas coming into march so going into march we're going to make um i'm a part of the tag team uh we appear at north with uh, my friend rufio uh we are the lost boys and north wrestling have just announced that they have a uh a tag team tournament up there so we've entered in that and we want to make sure that we're going to become the very first north pro wrestling tag champions yeah. that's, that's our main goal for 2020 we've um we definitely don't want we're sick of we've been told that we're not allowed to go anywhere near the landed gentry anymore yeah sorry about because, that that was boss's orders <laughs> yeah i know i know um it, things got out of hand when it came to us and the landed gentry and i think the the only way it's going to be settled is if uh, we settle it for once and for all who's the best tag team. And if we win the very first North Wrestling Tag Championships, they can take that plate and, well, they can show it up their ass for all week, yeah. You talk about how uh, how, uh, how a crowd can make a match, how a crowd can make a moment. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm gonna, a personal story for me is about a year ago, uh, you started with us at North Wrestling based in Newcastle-upon-Tyne. And um, yeah. obviously, you're not from the northeast of England per se. Um, I know no. You, you, but the fact that there is a, a crowd that are so on your side that they break out into chance of Fraser is a Geordie. 
I think says yeah. it all. Is that that must feel that must feel great it's, to come somewhere like this and just be a hundred and fifty percent like accepted and beloved. Yeah, it was it was when I came out. It's always de- nerve wracking making your debut in a company that you've never been to before. Fortunately, I'd been to a North show um in december like the, just before so i drove myself up I there was no space in the car going up and i drove myself up of my own volition i thought right i'll just pay the money go all the way there message the promoter spoke to uh, andrew bowers and said look i've come this way do you mind if i come and watch the show and just see what it's about and he's like yeah absolutely and i said um if you need a hand just let me know and i'll help out and i saw the crowd and again it's the the crowd make the difference and you see their reactions to people they're like it, it, it's it and it makes me watching that show i just like no this is a place that i want to work this is a place i need to work and i said to andrew at the end i went what can i do to 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 appear here at north wrestling and he was like well actually there is a spot next month um we're looking for somebody to go against Screwface." and i was like oh okay well i just watched Screwface wrestle and i thought well that'd be a good opportunity for me as a singles wrestler at the time to go against Screwface and we I sent him a load of my stuff and I sent him the the, the James Musselwhite uh, video package that I had made and he was like no we can use this in we can try and get the crowd invested in this side of you and know a little bit about you before you even arrive and so then when I walk out to my music playing and then there's a re- this big reaction I was nervous as it was but then you get that love back from the crowd and you, your nerves they just settle and you're less nervous and you can focus on making sure that you're going to have like a, a match for them. And, you know, it was one of my favorite matches. It was because that was something that I showed across to, to, to many people. That's something that I showed down to progress and progress themselves. They're like, okay, well, potentially we see you as something that could be here and do the pre-show uh, for North wrestling. And that was the match that kind of said, okay, well, well we want you in that match. And, and it's because of the crowd the crowd reaction, the feedback, and the even down to go tweeting about it. Like we, we're wrestlers. We, we are vain. We will look online about ourselves. We will do that because we want to know what the crowd are connecting to. That's why I look at my stuff, and we want to see what they're picking up on. And me and Rufio are real sorry about Benji's bum hole because that kind of all started from us. Um, but you know, it's done. It's out there now, and you know, unfortunately, unfortunately, Benji's bum hole is a lot out more than we'd like it to be you know but yeah the crowd that they make a huge difference and it's a difference between us as wrestlers getting more work or us as wrestlers fading into the background unfortunately the phrase is the geordie chant every time that it comes it's like yeah this is this is this is a home for the lost boys as it were and it's it's our favorites it's my favorite place to come and wrestle without a doubt because even though it's four and a half hours in the car four and a half hours back i know i'm waking up early and i'm going to wrestle in front of my favorite fans and uh, if people want to send you nice things on Twitter for you to find, for you to vanity search later yep. on, uh, where can they do that? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so on my all my social media channels is I've only got Twitter and Instagram, so it's at underscore Fraser Thomas underscore, and we always Lost Boys hashtag. So Lost Boys with a Z at the end because it's cooler. So and it makes it easier to find as well. Amazing. Hey, this has been really wonderful. I'm really glad that you came and joined us on the island. Uh, Thank you, Fraser Thomas, for being a very special guest on Desert Island Graps. And uh, and your apology is not accepted for Benji's (laughs) bumhole. Oh, please accept that apology. That's going to follow us around. That's going to be my own thing that they're going to have. They're going to write. If I ever, like, pass away and they write, like, a nice story about that, that's going to be in there as well. Responsible for Benji's bumhole. (laughs) 
that's that's something that I don't want. Let's let's try and make it something else. Maybe first ever Northcat champions. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just sixty bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. 